0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Dan Trotter for Pretty Good Bible Studies. We are now in Revelation 17. I'm going to do the first eight verses. We're going to talk about the whore of Babylon. Our context is this: in the last chapter, we saw the seven bowl judgments poured out on Israel. Most of, most of them were poured out on Israel. One was poured out on on Rome, but the judgment of God is finished now. And so now we're going to see the destruction of Israel and Rome continued in various symbols as the destruction of the old and the establishment of the new Jerusalem is continued. And that's what we're going to see for the rest of the book, actually. Now, who is this whore of Babylon? She's false Israel, apostate Israel, Rabbinic Israel, the same Israel that murdered Jesus and the prophets, and who was persecuting the apostles all over the Roman Empire, and the evangelists, killing some of them, throwing some of them in jail. False Israel, that's who the whore of Babylon is, and I'm going to show that beyond a shadow of a doubt. In my opinion, it's beyond a shadow of a doubt as we go through. Now, I will say this. A lot of people say the whore of Babylon is Rome. I'm going to show you why. I don't think so. It's the beast under the whore that is the Roman Empire. And I'm going to talk about the beast a little bit in this section, but in verses 9 through 18, there's a fuller description of the sea beast that's ridden by the whore of Babylon. We'll do that next audio. So we start down in Revelation 17, verse 1. And one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I shall show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Now, the readers of Revelation have already been told about a harlot city. For example, in Revelation 11:8, their dead bodies will lie in the main street. That's the two witnesses will lie in the main street of the great city, dot, dot, dot where also their Lord was crucified. So the great city was Jerusalem, Revelation fourteen eight, and there followed another angel saying, "Babylon is fallen, that great city." So there, Babylon the Great is identified as a great city, and is the great in verse chapter eleven verse eight. The great city is identified as Jerusalem because that's where the Lord was crucified. And once again, we see the identity in Revelation sixteen nineteen. The great city was split in three parts, and the cities and the nations fell. Babylon the Great, so in 1619, Revelation, Babylon the Great is called the Great City. Revelation eleven eight, the Great City was where the Lord was crucified, so the Great City was Jerusalem, the new Babylon, apostate Jerusalem. Furthering our certainty about the identity of the Great City, we can look at the phrase, many waters upon which the harlot sat many waters, that comes from Jeremiah's description of Babylon in Jeremiah's chapters 50 and 51. I'll just give you one verse, Jeremiah 51:13. The KGV has this more clearly, O thou that dwellest upon many waters, abundant in treasures, thine end is come, and the measure of thy covetousness. Now why is Babylon, why does Jeremiah refer to the city as one that is dwelling upon many waters? Because Babylon had the river Euphrates running right through the middle of the city, and there were canals that ran into the city, that ran all through the city, so Jerusalem was actually sitting on many waters. Excuse me, not Jerusalem, but the old Babylon was sitting on many waters. And so, up here in Revelation seventeen one, the great harlot is sitting on many waters. So, the great harlot, the great city is apostate Jerusalem. I think that's a slam dunk identification, ladies and gentlemen. We can... Continue that identification by looking at Revelation 17.15. He also said to me, the waters you saw were where the prostitute was seated are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So you see the great prostitute is sitting on the scarlet beast, which is sitting on many waters. The great harlot doesn't sit directly on many waters. She sits on the scarlet beast, which I'll later show you is the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire is sitting on many waters, which is every nation, people, tribe, and tongue, the Gentiles, the Gentile nations. Here's a quote from David Chilton. Jerusalem could truly be portrayed as seated on many waters, i.e. the nations, because of the great and pervasive influence the Jews had in all parts of the Roman Empire before the destruction of Jerusalem. Their synagogues were in every city, and the extent of their colonization can be seen in the record of the day of Pentecost, which tells us that they were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. The great church historian Harnack, who unfortunately was a liberal, but he was also a church historian, he said that there were about seven percent. The population of the Roman Empire consisted of about seven percent Jews. They were everywhere. Everywhere Paul went, there was a synagogue in the Roman in Asia Minor and in Greece, Corinth. They were everywhere, and Chilton says that's why they were seated on many orders because they were spreading their false religion all over the Roman Empire. So we go now to Revelation seventeen two. The kings of the earth committed sexual immorality with her, and those who live on the earth became drunk on the wine of her sexual immorality. Now, kings of the earth is an expression that we can see in Isaiah's prophecy against Tyre, the famous city, trading city on the coast of the Mediterranean right north of Israel. Isaiah 23, 15, 16, and 17 says this, On that day Tyre will be forgotten for 70 years, the lifespan of one king, at the end of 70 years, what the song says about the prostitute will happen to Tyre, pick up your lyre, stroll through the city, you forgotten prostitute, play skillfully, sing many a song so that you will be remembered. At the end of the 70 years, the Lord will restore Tyre and she will go back into business, prostituting herself with all the kingdoms of the world throughout the earth. That phrase, kingdoms of the world throughout the earth, is what we see here the kings of the earth in Revelation seventeen two. So it's the same idea as that when you spread your influence and it's an evil influence, you're like a prostitute, spreading her goods all over the city. Now Israel had constantly made religious and political alliances with powerful heathen kingdoms, again playing the part of a prostitute. We see this in Ezekiel sixteen, twenty six through twenty nine. Ezekiel says this, or God says through Ezekiel, you engaged in promiscuous acts with Egyptian men your well-endowed neighbors, I like that, well-endowed, like well-hung neighbors, and increased your prostitution to anger me. Therefore I stretched out my hand against you and reduced your provisions. I gave you over to the the desire of those who hate you, the Philistine women, who were embarrassed by your indecent conduct. Now that's something to be embarrassed, for Philistine women to be embarrassed by by Israel. Then you engaged in prostitution with the Assyrian men. So not only were you prostitutes with Egypt, you sold your sold to Egypt, now you've sold your soul to Assyria, because you were not satisfied. Even though you did this with them, you still were not satisfied, so you extended your prostitution to Chaldea, which of course is Babylon, the land of merchants, but you were not even satisfied with this. So there's Israel playing the whore spiritually. This is a common metaphor in the Old Testament. In fact, At the time that the bridegroom Jesus had arrived to Israel, Israel was fornicating with Caesar of the Roman Empire. John 19.15, they shouted. This is the Jews facing Pontius Pilate who had arrested Jesus. Take him away. Take him away. Crucify him, Pilate said to them. Shall I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. So there they go. They committed spiritual adultery with Rome. Now one little translation note here. It says the kings of the earth committed sexual immorality, meaning the kings of all the Roman Empire, the whole world. Of course, you can translate earth as land, as I've said many times. If you do that, then you have the kings of the land committed sexual immorality with the whore of Babylon. And those who live on the land became drunk with the wine of her sexual immorality. That would mean that the religious system would pollute the people living in Israel, and so you could say that the political leaders of Israel committed acts of morality with the religious leaders. The religious leaders being the whore of Babylon. The political leaders, the rest of the people, then selling their souls to the whore. Now that's that is to me is a possible translation, but I don't think it really is the best. I think it goes with the kings of the land committed sexual immorality with with Israel because of Israel's influence all over the Roman Empire. We go now. Well, let's let's t- talk some more about this this sexual immorality which again of course is a symbol for spiritual immorality the kings of the earth committed sexual immorality with the whore of babylon with apostate israel harlot harlots are used a lot in the old testament as i said david chilton says that they the word harlot is exclusively used for a city or nation that has abandoned the covenant and turned towards false gods it's always used of faithless israel apostate israel except for two times the only two cities outside of Israel who were called harlots were Tyre and Nineveh. And both had been in covenant with God at one time. Tyre had converted to the worship of the true God and in fact contracted with Solomon to build the temple. Remember Hiram of Tyre? And remember Nineveh was converted under the ministry of Jonah. But they turned their back and called were called whores. So a whore, a spiritual whore, is someone who violates a covenant with God. And most of the time that referred to Israel. Here's some example. Scriptures referring to Israel in the Old Testament, Isaiah 1, verse 21. How is the faithful city, that's Jerusalem, become a harlot? It was full of judgment, righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. Jeremiah two twenty 20-24. For long ago I broke your yoke, I tore off your chains. You insisted I will not serve. On every high hill and under every green tree you lay down like a prostitute. I planted you a choice vine from the very best seed. How could that... How then could you turn into a degenerate foreign vine? Even if you wash with with lye and use a great amount of bleach, the stain of your iniquity is still in front of me. This is the Lord God's declaration. How can you protest, I am not defiled, I have not followed the bales? Look at your behavior in the valley, acknowledging what you have done. You are a swift young camel, twisting and turning on her way. The camel's in heat. A wild donkey at home in the wilderness. She sniffs the wind in the heat of her desire. Looking for some, somebody to mate with, who can control her passion? All who look for her will not become weary. they will find her in her mating season, And the idea is Israel just like an animal in heat, wanting to prostitute herself. Jeremiah chapter three, verses one through three. If a man divorces his wife and she leaves him to marry another, can he ever return to her? Well we know from Moses 24 one through4. Deuteronomy 24 one through4, no, you can't do that. Wouldn't such a land become totally defiled? But you, you have prostituted yourself with many partners. Can you return to me? This is the Lord's declaration. Look to the barren heights and see. Where have you not been immoral? That's talking about to the high places where the idol, in the hills where the idol, idolatry places to worship idols were. You sat waiting for them beside the highways like a nomad in the desert. You have defiled the land with your prostitution and wickedness. This is why the showers haven't come. While there has been no spring rain, you have the brazen look of a prostitute and refuse to be ashamed. So Israel's just basically called a whore there by Jeremiah. And Jeremiah's interesting, he says, you're not going to come back to me because he was talking about Babylon. He says, it's too late, man, you've sinned so bad. The Babylonians are coming, they're going to wipe this place out. All right, so we have really driven the point home here. The whore of Babylon is apostate Israel, making the nations of the world drunk on the wine of her sexual immorality on the wine of her false religion, antichrist religion. The nations are drunk by that wine. Let's read Jeremiah 51, 7. Babylon was a gold cup in the Lord's hand, making the whole earth drunk. Now, of course, that's in the Old Testament. Jeremiah's talking about the old Babylon, the one that destroyed Israel in 586 B.C., but notice that that Babylon made the whole earth drunk with a gold cup. The nations drank her wine, Jeremiah says. Therefore, the nations go mad. And the idea here is Israel's making the nations go mad with their nonsense, their Judaism that they're spreading all over the place, their Antichrist Judaism. The original Babylon also had a golden cup of wine making the nations drunk, just like the new whore of Babylon has got a golden cup making the nations nations drunk. We'll see the gold cup in a minute, not in this verse. We go now to Revelation seventeen three, And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. This is the angel that had one of the bowls carried John away in the spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. Now that woman is the whore, the whore of Babylon. She's sitting on a scarlet beast and she's in the wilderness. This is in the vision. Now the true bride had been forced into the wilderness. We read that in Revelation 12:6. The woman fled into the wilderness which she had a place prepared by God to be nourished there for 1260 days. That's referring to the church that escaped Jerusalem by Mu- by fleeing to Pella, across the Jordan River, when they saw the army, that the abomination that caused the desolation, surrounded Jerusalem. And they remembered Jesus, in the Olivet Discourse, said, flee when that happens, and they fled. And, that, and John's talking about that in Revelation 12:6. Well, the church was forced to go there because of persecution, because of the war. But the false bride, the whore of Babylon, went there voluntarily. Why? Because a wilderness is a place where there is cursing, demons, and desolation. And that's what apostate Israel had mm-hmm. become. An evil, evil, evil thing. Now this woman was sitting on a scarlet beast. Now the fact that the harlot, the whore, is on the scarlet beast and thus separate from the scarlet beast, that proves she's not the Roman Empire. We're going to see that scarlet beast is the sea beast, the Roman Empire, and the whore is on that beast so that means she's separate from the beast now some orthodox protesters like jay adams says that the whore of babylon is the roman empire well how would you and if the sea beast the scarlet beast is the roman empire you got the roman empire sitting on the roman empire and that doesn't make any sense to me i can't believe that that is a minority orthodox view i think it should be cashiered put away the whore of babylon is apostate israel Now, she's sitting on that scarlet beast, so that's where she gets her power and authority. She's on a throne, if you will, sitting on that scarlet beast. Now, the beast is scarlet. That ties the beast, the sea beast, the Roman Empire beast, ties that beast with Satan and the sea beast. All right, first of all, let's tie the sea beast, the beast, in Revelation 17.3, let's tie that beast with the devil, the dragon. That beast is scarlet in Revelation 17.3. The whore is sitting on a scarlet beast. Okay. Revelation 12.3. Then another sign appeared in heaven. There was a great fiery red dragon. And that dragon had seven heads and ten horns. Now the beast, as I said, is the Roman Empire. That beast comes from the sea and is the Roman Empire. Revelation 13.1. And I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. The sea is the typical symbol for the troubled, tossing, and turning Gentile nations. And that beast that came up out of the sea had ten horns and seven heads. So the red dragon had ten horns and seven heads. The sea beast in Revelation 13 had ten horns and seven heads. And in Revelation 17, 3, the beast that the horse riding on had seven heads and ten horns. They're the same thing. See, so the devil and the beast are united with each other because they are devilish. They're demonic. Now, I said the ten horns and the seven heads tied the dragon, the devil, with the sea beast because ten horns and seven heads are mentioned in both instances, dragon, devil, and beast, scarlet beast. But what are the ten horns and seven heads? Well, the ten horns are the ten provinces of the Roman Empire. The seven heads have two significations. One is the seven hills of Rome, the Palatine, the Esquiline, the Aventine. I can't remember them all, but you know the famous seven hills of Rome. And then, of course, there are five emperors of Rome, which we'll look at in our next audio, last part of chapter 17. Five that were, one is, and one is to come. So... We have now tied the scarlet beast in Revelation 17.3, upon which the whore of Babylon was writing. We have tied this beast with the dragon because it's red, with the dragon because it has ten heads and seven horns, and we have tied it with the Roman Empire because the Roman Empire is signified by a sea beast coming out of the sea. That's in Revelation 13.1, the sea beast coming out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads. Folks, this is a slam dunk. The Scarlet Beast is the Roman Empire. Well, let's keep on here. The Scarlet Beast was full of blasphemous names. Now, that ties the Horse Beast with the Sea Beast. The Horse Beast of Revelation 17 with the Sea Beast of Revelation 13, the Roman Empire. Revelation 13, 1, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads. On its horns were ten crowns, and on its heads were what? Were blasphemous names. So blasphemous names on those seven heads, well guess what, that's in Revelation 13, talking about the Roman Empire, the sea beast, Revelation 17, 13, the scarlet beast, the horse beast, had blasphemous names, was full of blasphemous names. So once again, we tied it together with Rome. Alright, so let's just summarize all this. Revelation 17, 3, the beast upon which the whore rode was scarlet there, it means it was demonic, like red, like the dragon, it was full of blasphemous names just like the sea beast that came out of the sea in Revelation 13.1. had seven heads and ten horns, just like the sea beast that came out of the sea in Revelation 13.1. One more identification I failed to make in this verse is that the seven heads and ten horns also tie the scarlet beast to the devil, the horse beast of Revelation 17, to the devil. Because we read in Revelation 12.3, Then another sign appeared in heaven. There was a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns. So... The a scarlet beast in Revelation 7. In Revelation 12, it was a red dragon, so that ties it together by the color. But also, the seven heads and ten horns in Revelation 12 ties the devil, not just the Roman Empire, but the devil with the horse beast in Revelation 17. So let's move on now to Revelation 17:4. And the woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. She was wearing purple and scarlet. That's what queens wear. She's sitting as a queen, Revelation 18:7. As much as she glorified herself and indulged her sensual and excessive ways, give her that much torment and grief, for she says in her heart, I sit as a queen. I am not a widow, and I will never see grief. Purple and scarlet also indicates that she is mocking, she is a parody of, a, an evil parody of the Old Testament high priest. Exodus 28.6 says this, They are to make the ephod, that's the high priest's garment, of finely spun linen embroidered with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet. So she's clothed in purple and scarlet in Revelation 17.4. And the high priest's ephod was made of purple and scarlet. So that ties her with the Old Testament high priest. She was adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. These were the loud, body tacky clothes of a harlot. An imitation of the... Adornment of the true bride, Ezekiel sixteen, eleven through fourteen. This is talking about the true bride, the true people of God, old Israel the faithful old Israel. I adorned you with jewelry, God says, putting bracelets on your wrist and a necklace around your neck. I put a ring in your nose, earrings on your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. So you were adorned with gold and silver, and your clothing was made of fine linen linen, silk, and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour, honey, and all you become you became extremely beautiful. And attained royalty, your fame spread among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect through my splendor which I had bestowed on you. But now the whore, she's tacky looking, as she said to be holding a golden cup, having in her hand a gold cup. Originally, Babylon was described as a gold cup. Jeremiah 51, 7, Babylon was a gold cup in the Lord's hand, making the whole earth drunk. The nations drank her wine, therefore the nations go mad. So once again, we see the Whore of Babylon being a sick parody of Old Testament Israel. This is New Testament Israel, the New Babylon, the new Israel, the apostate Israel. J. Massingberg Ford, the famous commentator on Revelation, says that the Whore of Babylon was, quote, a parody of the high priest on the Day of Atonement, wearing the vestments especially reserved for that occasion, the purple and scarlet ephod, and holding the libation offering, in other words, the wine and the cup. In the golden cup. That was the good high priest that God set up. Now here's the, the fake high priest. All right, that gold cup was full of abominations. Abominations is a typical word for idolatry, unclean food. The word is often used in connection with idolatry, with the worship of false gods. For example, in Deuteronomy twenty nine seventeen, And you have seen their abominations and their idols, wood and stone, silver and gold. Ezekiel 5.11, Wherefore, as I live, saith the Lord God, Surely because you have defiled my sanctuary with all your detestable things and with all your abominations. I'm talking about idolatry. The abomination of desolation was the idolatrous Roman soldiers profaning the land of Israel. So her golden cup that she feeds to all the nations is said to be full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. Well, what's that referring to? The unclean things of her immorality the blood of the saints revelation seventeen six, which we'll get to in two verses then i saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witness to jesus so she's drinking out of that gold cup the blood of the saints and she's feeding it to other people too spreading her pollution when i saw her i was greatly astonished now it doesn't actually say she was feeding that cup to the other nations that was a extrapolation on my part but she had a gold cup full of the blood of the saints because john tells us in verse six so this horrible Babylon was a pretty nasty lady. Revelation 17.5, on her forehead was written a name, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the detestable things of the earth. Now the idea of writing on her forehead was a common technique that John uses in the book of Revelation. He says that saints have a name on their forehead, and he says that followers of the beast have a name on their forehead. Let's look at the saints first, Revelation 3.12. The one who conquers, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will never go out again. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, my new name. Now it doesn't say that the name was directly written on the far, but we can imply that, we can infer that it's implied that the name is on the far. Revelation seven three. Don't harm the earth or the land. Don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we seal the servants of our God on there foreheads. So the saints have a seal on their forehead. They have the name of their God on the forehead. The new name, Revelation 14.1. Then I looked and there was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion and with him were 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. That's the good guys who got the names on the foreheads. The bad guys, the followers of the sea beast, they've got their names on their forehead too. Revelation 13.16-17. And it makes everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark. That's the land beast makes everyone. That's the apostate Israel, the false prophet. makes everyone to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead. So the mark of the beast is on your forehead. We've already talked about the mark of the beast. It's not a RFID chip under your skin. It's a symbol. It means that you belong to the Roman Empire. Now, this name... Babylon the great, the mother of prostitutes and the detestable things of the earth. There was a name written on the forehead. It sounds like it was a name on a plaque, does it not? Well, this shows that it is a parody of the Old Testament high priest. We read in Exodus 28, 36-38 this. You are to make a pure gold medallion and engrave it, like the engraving of a seal, holy to the Lord. Fasten it to a cord of blue yarn so it can be placed on the turban. The medallion is to be on the front of the turban. It will be on Aaron's forehead so that Aaron may bear the guilt connected with the holy offerings that the Israelites consecrate as all their holy gifts. It is always to be on his forehead so that they may find acceptance with the Lord. So, what you have in the Old Testament is a gold medallion fastened with blue yarn, a cord of blue yarn fastened to the turban that the priest wore, and the medallion was in front of the turban, and because of that, it is said in verse 38, Exodus 28, to be on Aaron's forehead. So his, the high priest, the godly high priest, Ford, had on that medallion, which was on the turban, had this phrase, holy to the Lord. But the whore of Babylon had, Babylon the great, the mother of prostitutes and of the detestable things of the earth. J. Massacre Ford, famous commentator on Revelation, says, However, instead of the sacred name upon his brow, the priest-harlot bears the name Babylon, mother of harlots in the abomination of the earth. So she makes the connection between the Old Testament priest and the sick parody of the Old Testament priest affected by the whore of Babylon. Now, the whore of Babylon is said to be a mystery. On her forehead was written a name, a mystery, Babylon the Great. Well, it was a mystery until it was further explained to John few verses later, Revelation 17:7 7 and 17:18, which I will read now. Revelation 17:7. 7, then the angel said to me, "Why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and the beast, the whore riding on the scarlet beast. I will explain that to you, John, with the seven heads and the ten horns that beast that carries her." Revelation 17:18. And the woman you saw is the great city. There's the explanation of the whore. She's the great city, and we've already said. Before that, the great city is Babylon, the New Babylon, that has royal power over the kings of the earth. Let me go through those verses again. Revelation 11:8. There, the two witnesses, dead bodies were lined the main street of the great city. Dot dot dot. Where also their Lord was crucified. So the great city was Jerusalem, because Jesus was killed and crucified in Jerusalem. In Revelation 16:19. The great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the Great was remembered. So in Revelation 16:19. The great city is Babylon in Revelation 11.8. The great city is Jerusalem. So Babylon is Jerusalem. And so in Revelation 17.18, which we haven't quite gotten to yet, the woman you saw is the great city. And so now the whore is Babylon, which is Jerusalem. Again, this is a slam dunk, folks. That whore is apostate Jerusalem. Note that some translations, for example, the American Standard Version, translate this as... Mystery Babylon the Great, which is a strange translation in my humble opinion. I like the Holman Christian Study Bible that says Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes. The mother of prostitutes, that sounds like a Middle Eastern curse. But why would you call it Mystery Babylon the Great? I don't know, but the reason that Babylon is called the mystery still seems to be a mystery to most commentators. They can't figure out that this whore is talking about apostate Israel. Some do, but not all, which is a shame because it's so clear. I don't know how you could avoid saying that the whore of Babylon is apostate Israel. Now, Babylon in the Old Testament was the epitome. The term Babylon was an epitome of rebellion against God. I mean, even today, you know, Babylon, it sounds like something devilish. Genesis 11, 1 through 9 this is the Tower of Babel in Babylon, the Tower of Babel. The whole earth, in the same language of vocabulary, as people migrated from the east, they found a valley in the land of Shinar, that's Babylonia, and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let us make oven-fired bricks. And they said, dot, 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 and they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky. Let us make a name for ourselves, otherwise we would be scattered throughout the earth. Then the Lord came down to look over the city and the tower that the humans were building. The Lord said, If they have begun to do this as one people, all having the same language, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down there and confuse their language, so they will not understand one another's speech. So from there the Lord scattered them throughout the earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore it is called Babylon. For there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them throughout the earth. So we see the Tower of Babylon was one of the most famous instances of rebellion against God. Jeremiah 50-51, in talking about the old Babylon that destroyed Israel in 586 B.C., he talks about Babylon, and I'll just give you two verses of that, the first two verses in Jeremiah 50. This is the word the Lord spoke about Babylon, the land of the Chaldeans, through the prophet Jeremiah. Announce to the nations, proclaim and raise up a signal flag. Proclaim and hide nothing. Say, Babylon is captured. Bel, that's their big god, is put to shame. Marduk, another big god, is terrified. Her idols are put to shame, her false gods devastated. So Babylon is noted for idolatry, false gods, shame. So the whore of Babylon, great metaphor here, great symbol. Now let's look at our old problem of how to translate taste case" or gay, things of the earth, taste case, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and detestable things of the earth or detestable things of the land. Well, if you take it as earth, you're seeing the apostate Jerusalem polluting all of the Roman Empire, which I think makes sense you got Judaism's false religion spreading all through the Roman Empire, as I've said several times. 7% Adolf Harnack said of the Roman Empire was Jewish. Everywhere Paul went and acts throughout the Roman Empire, he was persecuted by Jews first before the Romans got to him. If you do want to translate it, though, as land, so that it would read the title on the horse head, would read Babylon the Great, the Mother of Prostitutes, and of the testable things on the land. Well, then it could be, since she is the whore of Babylon and Babylon is apostate Israel and, and she and she has a sign that says the testable things of the land and apostate Jerusalem is thus seen to be polluting all who live on the land of Israel so I, and in my opinion I could go either way I'm not going to stand on a hill on that one to defend it Revelation 17 6 next verse and I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints the woman is the whore of Babylon drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus and when I saw her I wondered greatly The blood of the saints was the wine of her abominations and unclean things of her her immorality, the ultimate unclean food. We've already talked about that in Revelation 17.4. She had a golden cup in her hand filled with everything detestable and with the impurities of her prostitution. So the blood of the saints was everything impure. Blood is extremely unclean in the Old Testament law, and she's drunk with the blood of the saints. Now, what does that mean, the blood of the saints? Well, Jews were all the time killing saints. Jews killed all the prophets, Jesus, the early apostles, prophets, the evangelists. So that takes that's the whore of Babylon doing that. But you know, it's not just the the whore. It's not just apostate Israel that killed all the saints. The Roman Empire wanted to crush Christianity as well as Judaism did. And that's why the Scarlet Beast is carrying apostate Israel on its back. Here's a quote from Sulpicius Severus, who was a uh, late late 4th century, early 5th century French monk, a Christian monk in Aquitaine, France, writing. He's quoted in Michael Grant, The Twelve Caesars, talking about how the Romans wanted to knock out the Christians just like the Jews did. Now, this is interesting. Here's the quote. Titus is said, after calling the council, Titus, of course, is the Roman general who eventually burnt Israel, Jerusalem down in August of 1870. Titus is said, after calling a council, to have first deliberated whether he should destroy the temple a structure of such extraordinary work, for it seemed good to some that a sacred edifice, distinguished above all human achievements, ought not to be destroyed, inasmuch as if preserved it would furnish an evidence of Roman moderation. But on the opposite side, others and Titus himself thought that the temple ought specially to be overthrown in order that the religion of the Jews and of the Christians might more th- be thoroughly subverted. For that these religions, although contrary to each other, had nevertheless proceeded from the same authors that the Christians had sprung up from among the Jews, and that if the root were extirpated, the offshoot would speedily perish. So, the beast is helping out the harlot with their common goal, destroy the church. Revelation 17:7. 7, and the angel, that's the angel had the bowl of one of the Bold judgment's talking to John. The angel said to me, to John, why do you wonder? I shall tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast does. Why do you wonder? Why do you marvel? Now the angel is not rebuking John for not knowing, but is rebuking John for not marveling about this whore and beast. So John's marveling at the beast. All whores, and this is Chilton's point, I like this, all whores look beautiful at the point of seduction. The power, the majesty, the glory, and the beauty of Rome and Jerusalem would be marvelous to behold. And I think about people look at political power or scientific advancement or technology, whatever. It's so beautiful and so attractive and so seductive, and it will kill you if you follow it. The power, the majesty, the glory, the beauty of Rome and Jerusalem would be marvelous to behold. And John said, and John's obviously marveling at this whore riding on the beast that he's watching in the wilderness. Now, Earlier in Revelation thirteen thirteen, the beast was said to be fatally wounded. One of its heads appeared to be fatally wounded, but its fatal wound was healed. The whole earth was amazed. They were wondering. They were wander- they were marveling and followed the beast. The Roman Empire, even today, is a marvelous thing. It's evil as heck. One of the satanic empires of the world talked about it in Daniel, but boy do people love to read about it. I just listened to a whole podcast by Mike Duncan on the history of Rome, which I suggest you do too fantastic podcast everybody's always fascinated by rome i just heard a story on another podcast about a man who grew up to be an historian he was four years old on a greek island i think it was lesbos or somewhere in the Aegean Sea. and the greek nationalists had decided to consolidate all the greek islands and make a nation out of greece came up to this four-year-old boy who was marveling the so the four-year-old boy was marveling at the greek soldier and, and the soldier said, what are you staring at me for, son? And the boy said, because I want to see a Greek person, a Hellene. And the man said, well, you are a Hellene. Why should you be looking at me? And the boy said, I am not a Hellene. I'm not a Greek. I'm a Roman. That was 1912, a little over 100 years ago. I mean, what, what did when uh, the Roman Empire fell, the Eastern Roman Empire fell in 1453 to the Muslims, what did the Russian Orthodox Church call itself the third rome how about when the western empire went down in roughly 476 just about 800 a.d charlemagne in the west in france and gaul what did he call it what did he call his new kingdom the holy roman empire i mean the idea of rome is forever and ever and ever and so that's what john was looking at when he looked at the scarlet beast a marvelous thing not to mention the fact that it was wounded in the year of four emperors and came back to life. That was a marvelous thing, too. Now, notice that the beast carries the whore. In Revelation 17:7. 7, I shall tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her. The Roman Empire, the Scarlet Beast, carried the whore, apostate Israel. Israel couldn't do anything without being carried by Rome. I mean, who had to kill Jesus? The Jews couldn't do it. Apostate Israel couldn't do it. They got the Romans to do it because they were in evil cahoots with Rome. Revelation 17:8. and we'll finish this audio up. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss and go to destruction. And those who dwell on the earth or the land will wonder whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that he was and is not and will come. Well, there's that, there's that interesting progression of tenses there, was and is not and is about to come. Here's what it means. The beast, the Roman Empire was, that's referring to the first five emperors when the Roman Empire was strong from Julius Caesar until Nero died and started the year of four emperors of chaos, was and is not. The Roman Empire came close to disappearing in the year of the four emperors, 69, so is not. And is about to come up out of the abyss, is about to come back to life again. Vespasian returned from the siege of Jerusalem in 87. He restored the empire. He became a very good emperor, actually very competent emperor and so the roman empire came back to life well that's the good news for rome but this beast this scarlet beast is going to destruction because the roman empire was eventually destroyed by god even though it destroyed the year four emperors it finally went down the western roman empire went down in about 476 some historians say people debate that because it was kind of a gradual decline now here it says those who dwell on the earth will wonder it's probably earth not land Because all people in the Roman Empire would be wondering about the Roman Empire's miraculous recovery, not just Jews and Israel. So we'll say earth here. And those who dwell on the earth will wonder whose name has not been written in the Book of Life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that he was and is not and will come. In other words, they'll wonder the the beast was almost destroyed in AD 69, the year of four emperors. He wasn't. And boom, all of a sudden, he's back and will come. About to come up out of the abyss. Now the abyss, of course, is the deep it's a bad place. The sea beast is so closely tied to Satan that the beast is said to come out of the abyss where Satan is. Satan is king of the abyss, Revelation 9:11. They had as their king the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon and in Greek he has the name Apollyon. And Abaddon means destruction. I was looking, I saw on YouTube, I was searching something about Abaddon and, and saw some demonic woman casting curses. She says, oh, I found a very effective curse using Abaddon. So... Some people never learn Abaddon means destruction. And the Greek word for destruction is Apollyon. And Satan is the king of the abyss in Revelation 9-11. Satan killed the witnesses in Revelation 11-7. And he is said as a beast come up out of the abyss. Revelation 11-7 when they finish their testimony, that's the two witnesses. The beast that comes up out of the abyss will make war on them, conquer them and kill them. So this is an easy symbol here. The, be- the abyss is where the devil is. And so this beast is tied to the scarlet beast because the scarlet beast comes out of the abyss too. Out of destruction and then later on into destruction. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm finished with Revelation chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. We have a pretty good description of the Whore of Babylon. In our next audio, we will cover chapter 17, verses 9 through 18. We'll talk mainly about the sea beast which is written by the Whore of Babylon, that scarlet beast that was carrying the Whore of Babylon. And, of course, I've already told you that's talking about the Roman Empire. We'll do that next audio. I hope you enjoyed this one.